Hello, this is the Landscape Ontario podcast. Today we feature the audio from the July 7th, 2020 Town Hall webinar from LO's COVID-19 Task Force. The group this week was joined by Becky Hester from York Region Health to discuss best practices for employee health. Stay tuned, it's coming up next. The Landscape Ontario podcast is sponsored by Dynascape Software. LO members save 15% on Dynascape products, software upgrades, and online training. Visit dynascape.com for details. All right, hello and welcome everyone uh, to today's Landscape Ontario's Town Hall. Uh, of course, brought to you and organized by the Landscape Ontario COVID-19 Task Force. Today's town hall is being recorded and the recording will be sent out so that you can review it on your own time um, and, you know, as your own unique schedule allows. So we do ask that you ask lots of questions uh, and I'll be monitoring the chat on the right hand side. So um, please do ask your questions there and I'll do my absolute best to make sure that we get to as many of them as possible. Balancing the operations of your business and the safety and the well-being of your team can be a precarious tightrope. And without dealing, especially dealing without a global pandemic, it's important to remember that as employers, we have obligations to protect our workers from the hazards in the workplace as set out in the Occupational Health and Safety Act and its regulations and the directives coming from the Chief Medical Officer of Health. The health and safety of our people must continue to be a top concern amid the global COVID-19 pandemic. During this time, everyone must place an increased focus on health and safety in order to keep job sites open. Don't let your guard down. The LO COVID-19 task force felt so strongly uh, about making a, this a topic uh, of our town hall. So here we are today. My name is Joe Salami and I'm the Deputy Executive Director of Landscape Ontario. And joining me tonight are Alan White of Turf Systems, our task force chair. Jeff Olson of BTN, on, he's on our LO uh, board of directors and on our task force. Uh, Peter Ganane of Oriole Landscaping on the LO board and task force. John Dersey of Miller Waste Systems on the board of directors and the task force. It's a star-studded crowd tonight and our special guest, <laughs> uh, Becky Hester. Uh, she's the manager at York Region Public Health. Her regular portfolio includes regular uh, recreation, recreational water, including pool, spa, and beach inspections, inspections of small drinking water systems, and assisting with accommodation inspections for seasonal farm housing. Now, it's all that and anything COVID related to that. Uh, <laughs> Becky and her sister own a tree farm near Caledonia, Ontario, and she told me that she has nothing remotely resembling a green thumb, um, but is an absolute awe of anyone that can grow anything. So welcome, Becky. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Joseph. And thank you, Landscape Ontario. I was so interested to hear that you had a task force and so I'm impressed by that. Yeah. All the work that you've done and I know that you've had previous webinars. So I wanted to thank you for the opportunity uh, to come and speak with you too. Well, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, the uh, Landscape Ontario COVID-19 Task Force just had our 50th meeting since yeah. the uh, start wow. of this. Yeah. Uh, Becky, I'd like to start with you. Um, and 
you know, I'd like to you to talk to us a little bit about um, um, what exactly a mobile testing station is. I know that you were instrumental in the region of York in setting that up. Um, what exactly is a mobile testing station and what happens when you show up? So we were fortunate to be able to uh, partner with Southlake and we are going to be partnering with other hospitals as well. That actually, that request for mobile test unit came from our farms. We did send out some information early on encouraging farms to uh, have their workers and their staff tested and it's obviously voluntary testing. But we thought it would be good to try and get ahead of uh, perhaps outbreaks and if we had positives that we could help mitigate the spread and that's really our role in public health. So that request came from our farms and different uh, advocacy groups. And so we took that through our, um, our health emergency ops center and they were able to coordinate that through their liaison group with South Lake. And so we had our first round and I believe Jeff, your farm was the first one. Um, and I, I'm hearing from Jeff that it went very well. I had another farmer. I did ask for feedback after to see how the testing went and it was fairly smooth. There's quite a bit of paperwork up front. I understand and a lot of labels and the more workers you have, the more it's, it's a bit of a process, but South Lake was fantastic in setting that up and arranging and sending things ahead of time. Um, so the feedback I heard is that it's, it really was great to have them come to the farms rather than farms having to go to assessment centers when really necessarily feel comfortable leaving. They've really tried so hard from we, our experiences to keep people on the farm and to not, not be going out or at least restrict um, going out as much as possible. So yeah. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, and maybe a follow-up. So when, as a mobile uh, testing station, when you actually show up, um, first, I guess, first of all, what is the lead time that you need in order to have that mobile testing station come and see you? And so what happens been, when you get there? We've been providing the list of um, interested farms to, to the hospital and then they've been calling and they've been very proactive and trying to arrange it fairly quickly. And their uh, doctors and nurses, from what I understand, are on, you know, they have certain days that they can do the mobile. So some are mobile testing stations in the community, but then some are um, on-site visits at farms too. So we've seen anywhere from a weekly time to two days, really, where they've been able to organize really well. And we try and we've been trying to work with them um, around their schedule. So... Yeah, with the uh, with the amount of work involved to set that up, that's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, they've done they've been fantastic. Yeah. And so when you show up, what um, with the mobile testing, what's the what does it look like for the business, the employer there? So I I don't want to put Jeff on the spot, but I think he might actually be better able to to answer that. Jeff, are you comfortable? <laughs> because I yeah. haven't attended, so I've I've just ah, heard the. Okay. I'm a, yeah, I'm absolutely comfortable to uh, to um, go through that. I, I could actually show you guys a slideshow if you'd like me to fire that up now. It's like four slides or five slides, and I could run you through the whole process uh, that we experienced anyway. Why don't we do that, Jeff? <clears throat> if that would make sense. Now we'll it's up to you guys. And we can ask some questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, do wanna, yeah, so do you want to come back to that? Absolutely, After? yeah, definitely. Okay, well, thanks for rescuing me, Jeff. No, no problem. 
the context and then we can go into again more of the prep more of the afterthought more about public health and some of the things you're seeing but yeah maybe jeff because your, your slide deck gives a, a kind of visual of of what your nursery went through sure joe i think you got to be the power to share over here is it asking you about that no it just, it just won't do anything when i let me try that again i'm going to go on top of it here let's do the test <laughs> yeah, it worked fine in rehearsal. I know, and it was fine, but I don't know. Not that we rehearsed it to this. No, I can't. I can't. I can't share it. So we can come back. That's weird. Yeah, let's come back to it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll try and get my yeah. technical stuff worked out here. Yeah, and in in the meantime, um, um, Becky, you know the um, we have a few sectors uh, in the industry here that um, are using the temporary foreign worker program, and uh, you know part of your inspections are you know, for the housing of that and now COVID related. Uh, so can you talk just a little bit about your experience, what you've learned along the way from, you know, kind of starting out till now? Um, what does that uh, all look like now? So we have certainly learned a, a lot and I have to say, I, I know what a transplanter is now. I know <laughs> different ways to uh, put barriers in different types of machinery and things that we didn't ever look at on farms. And like you mentioned, we've always been primarily focused on the accommodations and that's through the application process and supporting farms. Um, in the application process. So we've been very grateful for their help too. And there's been collaboration as well in terms of looking at, you know, when workers were arriving. And so just from the very beginning, trying to send out resources, uh, we, we did focus a lot on the federal requirements, the provincial requirements, which were excellent. And then we, we did reach out to our neighboring health units to get information to say, what are you doing? Our Asfield group, which is, um, our public health association of supervisors and managers group that a lot of um, different resources went out from different health units and they were very helpful. So we tried to pick some of the things that were applicable as much as we could to, to our temporary accommodations. And then we um, sent out some guidance and some emails. Um, initially, we um, touched base with a lot of our farms during isolation. So when we knew the dates and we worked with farms on that and, um, you know, certainly delays in workers and trying to keep on top of the different isolation dates. So we were checking in, um, trying to assist with some guidance that way. Um, and then um, basically trying to 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 learn about the different things. So if we had a call or a request for guidance, there was certainly really good guidance put out by WSPS. And we had shared that with our farms. We shared a lot of information. We tried to get signs in different languages. So emails and then uh, the notification about swabbing and, and looking at it from that perspective. And then to support that, trying to get ahead with some spot checks. And that's really where the learning really began because we we realized some of the things that you know we thought would be helpful um, maybe they weren't as practical. So looking at trying to be solution focused and help help um, to do different things. So the spot checks were really revealing. We tried to get ahead of the mobile swabbing on those two and to have some of the guidance in case of um, any positive workers. So then trying to look at what would happen and that's very case by case. 
um, and very difficult to hone down certain things because it's very operationally dependent. So it depends on the accommodations, but also depends on the related work on the farm, the type of equipment. And so we've learned a lot about different processes that we've never looked at. Um, and we're learning a lot from our farmers for sure. And our workers as well. Right. And, you know, when, um, you know, mobile, uh, state testing station comes in, um, if they're to find, uh, that there is a positive, uh, a case, um, what happens when there is a, a positive result? So all along in the guidance too, we've asked if there was a, well, certainly we get notified from uh, that there is a positive and right away that will go to a case investigator. And then the case investigator starts to ask the questions. They ask about close contacts. They ask about, um, you know, has that um, worker had any symptoms because it's, you can have also asymptomatic positives as well. So they really start doing the investigation and the, and the digging, and then they will um, ask our team, so on the inspection side, to support case management to go in and ask the questions and really look at housing processes, that kind of thing. And that's not in isolation. So obviously, Ministry of Labor is involved too. OMAFR has been very helpful as well. And so there's, um, you know, there are different agencies have different roles um in that case so it's really case by case for farms um in that investigation and depending on if the positive is housed with other workers then looking at okay close contacts have them been able to maintain distancing um are there other agencies so you know we've also learned there are a lot of other agencies and local supports that uh, work on farms as well um so then when you get into the contact tracing it gets it gets um you know, drilled down right to, okay, who, who's on, been on your farm, who has been in contact with your workers, that kind of thing. And so we, our job is really to inform the case management piece and to try and um, look at what's actually going on, um, you know, and, and how that COVID plan has been working. Okay. So and then obviously back up accommodations as well. Can I ask you, Becky, as, as you've gone through, and obviously you have firsthand from a public health standpoint, um, through these inspections, what guidance can you give our members? I, I would expect it to be case by case, but you've probably learned lots. Um, we have. What insight can you give our membership as to uh, where protocols have worked, where protocols have needed stepping up, or just misses? Um, just having that ability or your insight would I think certainly help our members as, as they look at their own operations to see if they can learn or if they're implementing some of the misses or, or things that could have been better that, to help with your caseloads. So we were talking about distancing just before we came on and trying to keep your guard up in terms of distancing. And so that is one thing that we found is a lot easier said than to actually do in many cases. And then when you can't do that, what are the alternatives? You know, are there different workflows, different ways you can arrange your accommodation? I mean, most of our um, operators have already reduced numbers. So in terms of trying to keep beds at least two meters apart and, you know, that's a minimum. So how can you creatively maximize space and still have two meter minimum distance between beds? Um, so there've been a lot of creative things done that way. So we've, we've 
really learned that distancing is really key and that if you can keep distancing, that really definitely helps minimize the close contacts. Um, and so, and then we've also learned that there, in many cases, then it's not practical. So you, where can you have barriers or where can you change things in terms of processes? So things like staggering lunches and how people have their lunchrooms organized. And um, so that, that's another thing we've learned. We learned early on about um, masking and face coverings and what would be appropriate, especially if you're working in a field and you know, so we had a lot of questions. Our, our medical officers have been really supportive in providing information and trying to answer questions in a timely way. So we were able to provide that information through, um, I mean, we have an agricultural sector group um, that supports within the region and they've done a lot of work and questions come through there, but it's also kind of the broader sector, like OMAFRA is on there and has answered questions. So they're doing webinars as well. Um, but I think, I think really and truly the trend in trying to keep um, sleeping, sleeping accommodations to keep that minimum two distance and then certainly in lunchrooms trying to keep a flow. Um, you know, we've been really reinforcing the hand hygiene and firms have been really good in putting up their signs and educating their workers all along the way. I think that's made a big difference is just that reinforcement of all the COVID precautions, but primarily that distancing. Mm -hmm. And then can't do that. What what can you do? Right. With foreign worries, have you, have you found things that have worked really well with some of the groups that you've met with uh, in dealing with offshore labor, where there may be a language barrier, a culture barrier, um, as it relates to lifestyle, or just the things that they would consider normal practice? Is any advice there um, on things that have worked? So I think so. Dealing. I think the demonstrations have really gone well. So I know when our inspectors have gone on where they've had an opportunity to do the demos um, and anything visual. So the masking demos that are on the different websites are very good. We have one on ours that's quite good and talks about the process of, you know, hand hygiene and then the mask and when to change the face covering and that kind of thing. Um, I think I got a little derailed there. So, so the, yeah, the, visual versus written yeah uh, so definitely yeah definitely visuals and um the federal government did provide signage in multiple languages so we're seeing the the language signs up and um being reinforced but i think it's really the the farms that have had the um the upfront covid plans up front i think um that's where you know you really see because it's it's been from day one they've they've put in place all the precautions, the signage, everything, trying to organize flow. So I think to answer your question, I think those COVID plans were really key and really helpful. And a lot of them put them together really, you know, from resources from all over and they did that work. Yeah. So certainly where we find to come and check, but they did all the upfront work in trying to do plans. And in some, some cases for firms, you know, that's, it's a whole new world. Cool. So. Absolutely. I think Joe, you share with the, the viewers, people watching anyway that at least our uh, don't let your guard down uh, decals that will be shared or made available this later this week um, are in three languages from uh, French, Spanish, and English. Yeah. Um, so depending on your workforce makeup, certainly we're trying to make resources available at Landscape Ontario 
um, to mm -hmm. deal with maybe those language barriers. And your resources are very good. I meant to say that up front too. So I talked about WSPS, but I forgot to mention because I was looking at your site. It's impressive. Um, yeah, so a lot of the guidance did come from WSPS. And, right. Um, you know the uh, the COVID nineteen hub. In case uh, any of our viewers uh, haven't been there yet, please check that out on the uh, Landscape Ontario website. That's what fifty meetings will do with your uh, your members. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably ingrained, but you were talking about the different vehicles and transporting workers and staggering those things and also keeping the, the really the environmental cleaning of any surfaces. So whether it's um, vehicles or equipment or whatever it is, just remembering the cleaning and the disinfecting. And so I know it's everywhere that Health Canada has um, for the hard surfaces, they have their list of what's good. Um, you know, I think that's on every website everywhere uh, in terms of, you know, what products are, are suitable. Um, but it's, it's time consuming. So even the trucks, depending on where you work. So to take that time um, and do that environmental cleaning is really, really important. So, you know, the, the distancing, the hand hygiene, and then the environmental cleaning, anything high touch surface. Becky, have you found um, a fair amount of companies that are using foreign workers hiring third party um, uh, sanitizers or, or outside cleaning cleaning companies to sanitize sleeping quarters and such, or have they been mostly focusing on in-house? So we have, we have seen a few, I know for portable toilets that um, they have like those third party companies are doing some of the cleaning and the disinfection. Um, I think some of the larger firms have, you know, third party consultants, even for their plans. And then they've had other companies come in and do assist with the cleaning and disinfection, or at least guidance on products. So maybe, um, selling a products that there's, um, guidance that's gone along with that in frequency. Um, so it's a good question. I, from what I've seen, I do know of a couple. Yeah. Good. And Becky, we do have a question uh, from the chat and they're asking if the uh, mobile testing services are available um, for non-farm companies. So mobile testing has, is, has been around for a bit. So it didn't start with farms. So they were going to other places that um, for more vulnerable, right? Populations. So, um, I could ask that question if if it's available. I think really the focus is trying to get to the places that really, I don't want to say need it more, um, but I think we just kind of kind of gone more with our priority populations. Yeah. Um, certainly if someone had um, a definite need, I think it, it would, it could be considered and, but that's something that I could ask. Sure. And then depending on where you are, right? Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, depending on where you are, obviously our memberships uh, across the province. That's how right. uh, how are the, the regional health units uh, coordinating? Is it very similar across most health units uh, as as it relates to COVID nineteen? Has there been a pretty good coordinated effort? Um, to have so I, I believe that's coordinated through the lens, right, and so through the hospitals. Mm -hmm. um, more on that end of the coordination. Right, then on our end. Right. Yeah. 
Um, I was going to say with your testing and, and you're doing site inspections, is there touch points that you're seeing are, are more often than forgotten that uh, are high risk areas or is your testing still right now at really the transmission and, and positive test level? You're not, you're not getting into any site specific or, or better understanding of how the disease is, is moving around. So uh, no, not on our side. So we're, we're more the follow-up and the, the information providers of what's going on um, yep. on the different locations. Um, but that we do publicize all the trends on our, our website as do all the health units. Okay. Right. And so if- there's a lot of data collection, a lot of data collection and a lot of trying to, there's a lot of information sharing. And I think that's probably one of the, the more positive things, you know, in a, if you can say anything's positive in a <laughs> pandemic is that there has been a lot more collaboration, a lot more learning together, um, different agencies working together, agencies I, you know, I really had never worked with before. Mm-hmm. Um, learning, I've just, I've learned a lot from, you know, uh, Ministry of Labor as well. And, um, you know, certainly our associations. That's wonderful. How's Jeff coming with his uh, IT and his PowerPoint? <laughs> Sorry about that. I think um, to help I, you I, system I, testing I, and operations. I, I, I did send it over to you, Joe. Oh, I still okay. can't share. I think you've got the power to share and I can't do it. So oh, okay. I, it's, you, on your, if, it's on your email and you can probably get it going from it. If we can't share, maybe we could send it out after. Oh, we certainly can do that. Yeah, because I would like to see the pictures. I would be interested. <laughs> yeah, it should, it should, Joe should be able to get it up here in a second. I think why he's doing that, we have a, a question from one of our members about crews riding together in trucks from site to site throughout the day. Does that make them a close contact in masks, face shields, plexiglass, et cetera, um, actually help with this close contact or in that confined space? Yeah, so I actually have a definition of close contact. Um, send you the definition of the close contact so that I'm wasting your time looking for it but um so it it depends so really the barriers do help so if you're in a truck with a barrier and you also are masking and you have your face shield right so you have a lot of barriers right there and then it's dependent on kind of length of exposure to that person um and certainly if that person obviously if that person's positive right so um that's the those are the things, the questions they will ask to make that determination. Yep. So it may depend on how long is the drive, if it's an open Jeep and it's open air, or, you know, if, um, if it's just a barrier. So maybe, so the more barriers you have, the less likely you, you are going to be a close contact. Uh, and how much is uh, public health really kind of promoting or, or uh, in agreement with this bubbling effect. So keeping, I heard you say staggered lunch hours, uh, but both the landscape sector crews, um, garden centers, or on the farm level, uh, this concept of bubbling, keeping the same team together, um, and then trying to make sure those teams have as limited contact as possible. Right. And so I think it's almost like cohorting, (laughs) right? So you keep those, those work teams together. They do their lunch together. Um, I think, I think it's good. I don't necessarily think it's um, it, a lot of it's dependent on on the um, the processes. 
So when they're asking the questions to say, okay, where in that process did that, did you stray from that? So I think, yes, I think it certainly helps. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that someone won't be isolated separately. I think it creates a bit of a, um, a caring culture. And, you know, along with the caring culture comes the trust from employees, them wanting to work and be there. Uh, so I see the cohorting being a positive thing. Yeah. Joe, I see you got the... Uh, Certainly doesn't the hurt. <laughs> Certainly doesn't hurt, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you guys can uh, see the uh, slide deck okay? Yep. That's perfect. All right. I can see it now. Okay, so... Uh, Oh, thanks. Uh, so first of all, um, we uh, we took a an early aggressive approach to um, to uh, protecting our employees and uh, risk management on the business. Uh, the health and safety of the employees first, and and of course risk management on the business second. Um, but and part of that was uh, you know all the hygiene protocols and all that jazz, of course. Uh, and then we started to go down the road of testing, and and although we thought this, and this was prior to, you know, some of the outbreaks that were happening. We were already thinking about it at that point, but um, we're very concerned about what we were seeing in Southwestern Ontario and, uh, and knowing that our offshore employees are at high risk. Um, we, we made a mandate that we were, that we wanted to see every one of our employees tested every month. Now we can't force that for every everybody but we could certainly ma mandate it for our temporary foreign workers of which we have about 80 on uh, spread across um, five locations so our head office location has about 35 uh, workers uh, off offshore workers and so this was the protocol for the, for this team so next slide uh, Joe um, so we want to add an extra layer of protection for our employees. Our, our company policy states the following. All employees are encouraged to go for monthly testing at their local health center and share the results with their manager. BTN will pay for the off time uh, to get these tests maximum five hours per employee. So um, we would pay folks. So we started out by saying, we'll pay you to go for a test. Um, and that was kind of the original uh, thing. And we didn't go mobile testing to save money. That wasn't part of it. It was really out of convenience. and. Uh, one of the big mandates was that we didn't want our temporary foreign workers leaving our farms. We wanted them to stay, never leave the farm for the eight months that they're there. How do we never let them leave? Um, and this, and one, so not even to go for a test. Uh, and so we called our local health unit and they offered on-site testing, which was uh, much more convenient than taking the trip to the hospital. And they would come to our business once a month to test all of our employees. Um, next slide. Uh, so we had to set up a, uh, a test area. So uh, uh, Becky's team uh, uh, organized it with our with our manager of that location, and we had to set up a clean area uh, that was controlled entrance and exit, so that uh, staff could maintain physical distance. Uh, so that's the trailer. There's a sign up. So you basically the unit comes in, um, they give you sign up sheets, and so everybody gets registered, uh, and then on to the next slide. And uh, all the register, all the registrate. Oh, sorry, go back one. Sorry about uh, that. Yeah, so uh, all right, all persons register on site prior to the test. So that's just a photo of one of our uh, gentlemen uh, getting tested. And uh, next slide. Um, and then, so 
we had a combination. So we wanted all employees to get tested, but not all employees wanted to get tested. Um, so we had, so we made it mandatory versus volunteer. And uh, so we said the policy for uh, is mandatory for all temporary foreign workers um, and all Canadian employees were encouraged to get tested and share their results with us. Um, so that's a little bit of an interesting one because there's a privacy issue and will they share their results? Um, and so we were a little bit concerned about that from a privacy standpoint, but, and I'll wrap that up. Um, let's go to the next one. Um, and the, the health unit provided a, a doctor, one doctor and one nurse. So this was, uh, once you get up into the, into the, uh, into the trailer unit, um, then you've got one doctor and one nurse on site. And uh, they, they tested 50 people uh, in a, just over one hour. Um, and uh, then the results is the next slide. Um, so a few days later, we received the results and for everyone and they all came back negative. So this was the interesting part as well. Um, there was no, they shared everybody's results with us. So, uh, even those people had to put their health card in and they, I guess they could set up their own account through Healthlake, I'm sorry, their, their own health account through Southlake, um, hospital. Uh, we actually received a, an email with everybody's results on it. They were all negative. Um, and I, I think that might be a kink that may want to get worked out next time or may not like we're happy to get the results as an employer i'm not sure if all the employees were happy that we got their results but um maybe they were like they, they volunteered to get tested they wanted to know their results and nobody complained about it it's just that was we were a bit surprised that that, that the results were uh, were shared completely with us um a little funny story so I, I had gone and gotten tested uh two weeks prior to this just to see the process over at South Lake, and and for anybody out there who has gone to one of the testing sites at, uh, at the hospitals, um, they're really convenient. They're it's really easy. Uh, I went at almost at the beginning, so the lineup was the hardest part. It was a two-hour lineup. Um, today, I think it's a ten-minute lineup. It's very very quick today, but I was you know on kind of the first batch, and uh, it took quite a while to get up there and uh, get through but the funniest part was when you know all of our folks were smiling when they were walking up to the uh at the mobile testing unit everybody was everybody's kind of smiling and kind of giggling as they were walking in and when they were coming out every single person had a little tear coming down their cheek because it is a bit of an uncomfortable uh test i mean it's it's a second of a swab going towards as far up your nose as they can get it uh, which made it a little bit uncomfortable. It was kind of a cute thing to watch everybody going and smiling and everybody coming out crying, but uh, not really just more of an uncomfortable tear kind of going down their eyes. But anyway, uh, it was, a, it was a really great experience. It was, um, and I think everybody felt really comfortable with it. And, and the main thing was that I think as an employer, people really felt like, you know, we were taking care of them and uh, that made us feel really good. And uh, I think, Although it's inconvenient for people and it was a little uncomfortable, um, they're, I think they're happy to do. We also have a full mask policy throughout the locations. And in this heat, it's not easy. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable for people. And I do hear complaints about it. But at the same time, I think the benefits outweigh the uh, negative side of, uh, of that for sure. So anyway. That's, uh, well, one, one, they're safe, and two, they're uh, able to work. Um, oh, yeah, no, no, no question of that. 
And uh, I do find though, and I think you, you folks will see that with your teams uh, that uh, the rules are getting skirted as much as they're being stuck to. And we, so we police every location, every hour of every day. And, and we find like, it's funny when I walk into a building, how quickly people's masks go on. And uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't know what to do about that. We start writing people up. We start, you know, suspending people. I don't know how to take it more seriously. We have a 30 day window that we keep pushed. So we went to June 30th and we said, okay, we'll review it again, June 30th. Then we went to July 31st. And so that's our next uh, review period uh, to review our policies. And uh, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, what the right thing to do there is. You can well, remind them all of for our, for our sector, some were four weeks, laid off, some were six weeks. Uh, there's some still many sectors that are four months into this yeah. uh, and not back to work. So you got to support your family. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Joe. Wonderful. Thank you. No, thanks, Jeff. Sorry, Jeff, I had a question. What happens with incoming groceries and food for the foreign workers? Is there a temporary or a station set up for desanitizing of groceries and such? Um, uh, no, there's not. Um, they can do that. So what we do is our we have uh, dedicated staff in each location that go to the grocery. They get a grocery list from each of the guys, and they go to the store and buy it for them. Then they bring it back. Um, if the guys choose to sanitize it when it comes back, they can. Um, but we don't have a, you know, our our own team who've been tested is kind of going out there and getting it from the gross from the local grocery store so we don't use a like cisco or a service or, or anything like that we just have our own people go out and buy it and bring it back we had a really innovative thing as well the other day uh so the guys the temporary foreign workers uh send money back to their families i mean remittances i, I was shocked by this but you know mexico's second largest industry their first in, in, largest industry is tourism their second largest um contribution to, to uh, GDP is remittances from foreign workers. Uh, so people sending money back to their families. It's, a, it's unbelievable that it makes up that much of the economy. Um, so our guys need to send money back to their, their families. We had a ATM set up in our, uh, in our location uh, because one person, we don't use Western Union. They, they use a, <laughs> they call him the taco guy. He comes around and he does their wire transfers for them. They give him cash and he does the wire transfer for them. Uh, and so that's the one person they're allowed to um, mingle with from off the farm just to hand him money and he, he sends the money to their family. But they needed to get cash and we didn't want them going to the bank. So we had a bank machine installed in the location. And anybody will, if you have, you know, if you have 20 or 30 workers, you know, uh, with these private ATM companies will come out and put a bank machine at your location. And so they take the money out of the account, out of the bank and, and give it to the taco guy. Wow. Oh, awesome. good to have a taco guy. Yes, but it's an innovative approach really to getting cash. And I, we thought it was, was really, really cool uh, uh, that, that uh, my CFO came up with that one. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for sharing your experience. I mean, that's uh, from, you know, from understanding from Becky, that's the uh, kind of, you were the, the guinea pig of, of that process for the farm. So 
Thanks for yeah. going through that and sharing that with us. Oh, it was great. And thanks to York Region Health for doing, like, I mean, they were all over it and very proactive. And, and we just were so thrilled with how it, how it went. And, and we're going to do it every month. So stay tuned. Right. Joe, maybe Becky could share a bit with us, um, working directly in the public health unit, uh, particularly seeing what's going on south of the border. Well, how are the conversations going here in Ontario in particular, so close to such a major metropolis area like Toronto? Um, our numbers are low. We've, we've gotten ahead of this from business proactivity, health proactivity, our government and programs. Uh, what are the conversations going about what we did right? What are the biggest concerns right now of public health um, that we, again, our, our industry's fear is that we don't have a relapse, that second wave that we're doing, we're doing enough um, and that an episode like what's happening south of the board doesn't happen here. Woo! Question and a half. You are talk around the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, I'm. I mean, we're we're very separate in our office. So, but there there's obviously a lot of advocacy that's coming up through the different sectors, and I I feel like. Um, you know, we we're, we are seeing trends downwards. It's it's a really difficult question to answer. I know that the conversations happen a lot higher than where I am, mm -hmm. um, and but I I think that there's been a lot of leadership, and I think that's kind of the strength. And you're seeing it in all sectors, and all it's not it's it's leadership, and so. What you guys have done in your task force, I think, is pretty much key to what's going to make it successful. And I do believe that. Like, I think all the work and all the advocacy and all the reminders and the reinforcement and all, like, is really, really key. I think that uh, that's going to make or break, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you guys were saying it before we even came on. It's sticking to your guns now. Right, because it's hard, like even just the masking to continue and the distancing and but now we have to stay the course now. Right now is really important. And I think um, I think your your customers, your clients are all um, everybody's learning. I, I feel like people are, are for the most part doing what they need to do to keep their families safe and keep their employees safe. Um, and a lot of caring. Yeah. Really a lot of caring. You really see it, yeah. John, so what, are the, uh, what are the folks at Miller doing or, or to, to deal with this complacency that we see across the board uh, in, in addition to what we're doing at Landscape and Terra? What, uh, what are you seeing within your company that's really trying to keep this front of, front of mind? Um, as I mentioned in a past webinar, we've been pretty fortunate that we have a physician throughout the, throughout the company that we've been working really close with. So um, cases might pop up or scares. So we have the support there. But in terms of individual offices, yeah. we've uh, really focused on all the touch points, um, constant cleaning. We've put up shields in front of our retail desks. Now, we recently started as of Monday. We are moving into what we call our phase two of uh, opening up to the public. So. Um, shields in front of all the desks, social distancing in the offices, uh, one uh, retail customer at a time in our office. Uh, masks are mandatory. We're still holding on strong to curbside pickup. And um, 
we've put uh, alcohol dispensers outside that have to also be used prior to entering the, um, the trailer for orders. Uh, we've also eliminated all of our samples because people like to touch and they like to look mm -hmm. and talk. So we've eliminated all that in the office and we've really dumbed it right down. So um, we're just trying to be as cautious as possible, um, practicing social distancing, masking, constant hand washing. Um, we've really tried to control the gathering areas at our facilities um, and a fair amount of signage. And that's what, uh, that's what we've sort of been consistent with. Um, I did mention the, the caring culture thing. We found that the employees are, um, are very receptive and it's, they're just being positive when they're coming to work. We're trying to keep it super positive and super clean and taking everyone's um, opinions to heart and, and working closer with everyone. So it's actually been very positive. And John, if um, what kind of procedures in place for when you do have a positive case? And so if you have one, what's happened? Yeah, so we've had we've had, gosh, more than a handful throughout uh, Miller Waste Systems. Um, the employee is tested right away, and he's told to stay home in quarantine until we receive those results. And any anyone that was in the infectious area as well as everyone on that facility also are to be tested and the physician sent in to uh, do self-testing. Um, and then he makes the diagnose if they are to remain at work or like come in the next day or if they were to stay home and get tested as well. Each of our facilities don't operate on um, a fair amount of people. So bringing in a, um, a mobile site doesn't really seem feasible. Um, we don't have like the 80, 50 to 80 people per location. We're more of like 20, 22. Mm -hmm. right. If there is a positive test, they go through the 14 day as well. Right. The quarantine. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, John. Um, yeah, Joe, I think maybe even Peter, you have a pretty big workforce with your company, but a lot of our landscape contract members may have upwards of 20 to 100 employees. Uh, there's a lot of small operators, obviously, and we, we really rely uh, on public health, whether it's the hospital testing facilities you mentioned, Jeff, or others. But I think um, if, the, if the regional health units are similar, I wouldn't see that much difference in going and testing a landscape company that had 50 or 100 employees at a single location um, if they felt the need of the contacts were uh, sufficient enough to be proactive in their risk management strategy. Yeah, I mean, like most companies, we have multiple crews. My crews are two, three, four people, and we're trying not to get larger groups together because if there is a uh, positive case or a suspected case, uh, we have a similar policy as uh, John described where that person will get tested, will self-isolate. The, the people in proximity will have to self-isolate until we get uh, the results of that test back, and then obviously they'd have to get tested if it was positive. Uh, so we're, we're trying to keep everything separated still. And, uh, and I think it's possible for us to continue that for this entire season. We've changed how we do our company meetings, training. Um, everything has changed. And now just yesterday, the uh, City of Toronto mask bylaw came in. And uh, that, that aligns almost exactly with what our 
policy was already, but it gives us a bit more uh, substance to back up our policy and more signage that we can put up. And, and like you were saying before, it just takes constant reminding to, to learn these new uh, protocols. And I, and I tell people it's an analogy like wearing a seatbelt. It took years for us to learn to wear a seatbelt out of habit. It's mm -hmm. for our own safety. It has, it's very unlikely you're gonna need it, but in the event that you do encounter that risk, you want to have it on. And I say the mask is exactly the same. Yeah, it's true. You're not likely to get it or be exposed to it today or tomorrow or with these particular people. But if you are exposed to that risk, you definitely want to be protected. And, uh, and it just takes time to learn. And I think we're in that learning period now in the summer with low numbers. But as the economy continues to open up and people get more complacent, I, I, I fear the numbers will rise again. And, and that's when the people who have learned how to be safe will stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And Alan, um, you know, you've, uh, you know, leading the, uh, the charge with our task force. Um, have you encountered any uh, positive cases? And if so, how have you uh, had to deal with that? We haven't encountered any in, in our workplace. Um, we're pretty diligent. Again, sometimes I feel like uh, I live in the forest all the time, being part of the task force, thinking about this every day, getting all the, the news sources coming in. Um, but at the same time, it's we do get the guys that come in uh, or get wake up in the morning and their stomach doesn't feel well or they got a sore throat. Or, so our policies have just been, and, and the culture piece that we talk about, that nurturing, it's okay. Um, and actually part of what we all expect of each other, don't come into work, take your health seriously, take all of, all of ours. If we all do it together, we're, we're, we're in this as one and we can help protect each other, but, uh, public health, telehealth have all been pretty good at helping mitigate that, moving the right people through, um, the, the correct channels that they need to get the clearance before they come back. So some of our team members, there's probably not a week's gone by where we don't have one person off for least a couple days um but to date we haven't knock on wood uh with all the points of contact we do in a day with just the general public and, and going to the residents uh and leaving granted it's all outdoor environments and we know that reduces the risk substantially but our points of contact are substantial uh in the gta so it's just something always top of mind and making it part of what we do every day but even in our own our own team the amount we talk about it, that complacency piece or the uncomfortableness of driving around in, in a truck at 35 degrees when you're hot and sweaty with a, a colleague in the truck sitting in the seat beside you, putting your mask on. Our, guy, our own team, we've caught guys where they don't both have the, the mask on, even though it's policy. So it's, we go back through that coaching process. We go back through all the reminders of why it's so critically important that they, they do that. So. Uh, I just think that it's part of what we're going to have to constantly do. And let's give Terry and his team of, of peers and members working together. I know, John, um, your company's going to participate, maybe handing some uh, of the don't let your guard down um, decals out, or maybe it was Jamie's going to be doing it. I know, Jeff, you'd asked for a couple. But I think our associate members, those that are in front of members and non-members, uh, just encouraging everybody at the workforce level when they leave our shops, we rely a lot on our suppliers because they're no, another point of contact with our team members um, that we're all doing it, our part as a collective to keep our team safe. 
Uh, and I think that's going to, to Becky's point, that's going to ensure that whatever happens in the future, we're going to be in the best possible position um, to, to deal with whatever comes down the pipeline and keep our businesses running, keep our employees uh, at work, being able to support their families um, and obviously keep our clients uh, with the services and the needs they have, because as we've seen this year, and we talked to a lot of members, it's been a crazy year um, from a business standpoint, from a, from a people being stuck at home, what do we do? Well, we can garden. Uh, we can go out and plant something. We can look after our yards. So we're seeing incredible business um, opportunity, but at the same time with that comes increased risk. So I think we just need to be diligent. Absolutely. Well, everyone, thank you. Really appreciate your time. Becky, uh, on behalf of the Landscape Ontario membership and the COVID-19 task force, thank you for the important information that you've shared with us today. And um, thank you for the very important work uh, you do to keep the people of York Region safe. Thank you so much. Thank you. Landscape Ontario has a bank of information like we referred to yes. earlier at the COVID-19 uh, hub, the resource hub on our website. So please take a look. Uh, there's also a file that uh, we've shared. I'm not sure if you can see that as attendees. Uh, we'll also circulate it, but uh, Becky was nice enough to uh, share the um, guidance document um, for farm operations. So um, we have that and uh, a lot of what's in that guidance document is also applicable to non-farm type businesses. So we'll uh, also make sure that's uh, circulated. Um, so yeah, Joe, Joe, just before you close off there, can we also just, for those viewing or those that are watching it uh, online after, um, the Don't Let Your Guard Down campaign, the PDF is available on the resource hub in the three languages. Um, so that's a printable format to display in your safety boards at your workplace uh, or in your shops that explains the Don't Let Your Guard Down, what it means to disinfect a truck, wear the mask, keep your distances, uh, avoid touch points or be conscious of your touch points. Uh, at the same time, there'll be a, a couple uh, adhesive decals being made available through this month's um, landscape, the landscape trains or HORT um, review. Those are also available online um, through Landscape Ontario's resource where you get your membership decals and everything else for just a, a, a cost recovery. It's, do you know the number off the top of your head, Joe, or anybody else in the task force? I think the a bundle of uh, they come in yeah. bundles of a hundred, but I, you know, I think we're still. It was hundred and thirty-five dollars or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. These decals are intended for your entry points at work when by your punch clock, uh, on your vehicle windows, on both passenger door and driver's doors, on your skid steers, uh, on your rakes, wheelbarrow, any of the touch points that you think people are going to let their guard down. Um, please, we're making hopefully the, the cost so low that it, it just makes sense to have uh, them at your workplace that you can adhere them to just about everything we need. I, I think that's going to be the, the easy reminder. They're bright, they're easy to understand, um, and, and it'll allow us at small businesses and large businesses to take advantage of this collective campaign and, and really do our part as employers and leaders uh, to make sure that we don't see any kind of relapse within uh, this sector as broad as it is from the farm right through the garden center uh, and then into the landscape maintenance and design build community. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself, Alan. And those decals are going to be coming out in the next issue of Landscape Ontario magazine. I think you called it Port Review. I think you're dating yourself a little bit now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Look at you know, Right. 
Um, so it, it'll act as a sound reminder to uh, don't let your guard down. You know, we've all worked really hard to mitigate the risk and exposure for ourselves, our families, friends, staff, and clients. So it's important to remain diligent and remember that safety is still our number one priority. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you very Thanks much, everybody. Thanks, Becky. Good night. Thanks.